Welcome to Hack to Start, a podcast focused on interesting people and the innovative ways they achieve success. I'm Franco Variano. And I'm Tyler Copeland. Each week we speak with a new guest about how they created, hacked, and hustled their way to the top and distill their insights and experiences for you. The path to success isn't always linear. Hack, start, and repeat. This episode is brought to you by Breather. Find beautiful, practical spaces that you can reserve on the go. Ghost, a simple, powerful publishing platform that allows you to share your story with the world. And SoundCloud. Hear the world sounds. You're listening to episode 85 of Hack to Start. This episode features Sarah Adler, the co-founder and CTO of Spoon University. We wanted to invite Sarah onto the show to share her story as an entrepreneur, designer, and developer. Growing up, Sarah loved graphic design and during university ended up co-founding a startup that would become Spoon University, a worldwide food community and website for college students that's in over 150 campuses. Sarah joins us to share her story and how Spoon University came to be, how she taught herself design and code, how they got into Techstars, and what it was like raising a seed round, and much more. This is an amazing episode you won't want to miss, so let's get to it. Hey, Sarah, thanks so much for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Something we like to do each episode is get to know a bit more about our guests. So where are you from? What did you study? How did your passion for entrepreneurship develop? So I am originally from Austin, Texas, which is a wonderful town, and I'm so proud to be from there. And um, I ended up going to college, actually, in Chicago at Northwestern University, just outside Chicago in Evanston. And I double majored in religious studies and journalism. In journalism, though, I focused specifically on media products and did a lot with design. Interned in the design departments at Wired Magazine and Sports Illustrated and did a lot of work with their tablet apps. And I love building interactive experiences for people. And so I started getting interested in front-end web development and learning how to code on the side of of the classes I was taking in school. Um, And at the same time, my now co-founder, McKinsey, and I were starting Spoon University. And it was originally um, Spoon um, when we started it in college. But that was the beginning of, of of our company, that's now Spoon University. When we were back in undergrad at school, we started Spoon then as a print magazine for all of our friends to talk about food, to um, have guacamole making competitions where 30 friends would try to compete to make the best guacamole. We had parties and events and it was just a really great opportunity for everyone on campus to come together around food because after all, that was how we made all of our social plans anyway, for the most part. By the end of our senior year, we had over 100 students on staff of this print magazine and we were actually making money selling local ads uh, or selling ads to local businesses. And people from other schools started hearing about it and wanted to start something similar on their own campuses. So we started helping just the first few students who reached out to us um, do something similar at their schools. But by the time we graduated, we had started about five of these chapters of Spoon and decided to, to try to do this full time. We launched Spoon University as a company and as a, as a network to kind of house all these smaller 
all these smaller chapters on college campuses. And now Spoon University is a food media company that's powered entirely by young people, specifically college students on these chapters on campuses um, all around the world. And we help build these local student publications on these college campuses, now on um, about 150 college campuses all around the world. And they have anywhere from 20 to 100 students on a campus chapter. They write recipes and how-tos and healthy living tips for young people everywhere. So how did you get into design and coding and how did you approach deepening your skill sets during school? I think the best way to learn new skills is just to have applications for them really early. And I think that it's really, it's a lot easier to learn something if you have a project that you're trying to, to complete than it is to just learn something. So I was already really interested in, in graphic design and print design when I was growing up. Both my sisters are actually art directors for advertising agencies and were always teaching me things as I was growing up. And I was on this, this school newspaper when I was in high school and, um, you know, doing design for, for that. It was always something that I was interested in. And then when I went to college, I, I thought that I was focusing more on, on classic journalism. Um, but I still really loved design. And so I, I sought that out in any way that I could. I took all the classes that I could. I befriended professors that taught design so that I could try to learn from them in off hours. Um, I joined clubs on campus where I could get projects to do front-end web development and try to build websites for people. So I think it's just about, you know, I, I knew that I knew that I really wanted to study journalism and religious studies in, in school, but I knew that I could learn a lot just from doing projects outside of classes too. And it was so valuable for me to do that. And I think that I learned so much and I met so many people and having a portfolio of work is so important to get more work. There's this like catch 22 kind of where you need work to get work. And I think that, um, that you can learn so much and have, have so much, have so much, like it's, it's, it's a great way to learn a lot and have a lot less responsibility for the outcomes that you can try new things or take longer or make mistakes. So today you're currently the co-founder and CTO of Spoon University, a food community and website for college students. So what types of challenges have you had to overcome in building Spoon University in the early days? All kinds of challenges. <laughs> when, we, when we first started out, I was just learning how to code it all. Um, I was kind of teaching myself as, as we built things. We um, originally built Spoon as a WordPress multi-site, Ooh. which has a lot of challenges, but <laughs> yeah. it's... Um, it was a really easy way to get started when I was just learning PHP. Mm -hmm. So I could just build templates and figure out how things worked and figure out like how to write SQL statements. And it, it was it was like very very early. And it, it, and it's there's so much documentation that it's a really good place to start. I think it allowed us to like get up and running in a really in a really like legitimate way very very quickly when I was just working by myself. That being said, we very quickly ran into a lot of obstacles. Just, just because of the features that we wanted to build out. And we've wanted to do a lot of things that WordPress doesn't support. So we've had to do a lot of customizations that basically are just like entirely outside the scope or the realm of like WordPress customizations entirely. And like content sharing between sites and a multi-site network is a really tricky thing to do. We also wanted to have pretty structured post types. For example, recipes. In order to like search through recipes in a way that's meaningful, you have to be able to structure the data in a way that WordPress doesn't doesn't allow because they typically have you know posts and taxonomies and in metadata, and it's difficult to structure that um, in a way, especially in a scalable way, that they can work for you know, thousands of contributors. Um, 
who are all creating posts at the same time without the database just getting into so unruly, especially if you have, you know, hundreds of, of sites in a network like we do. So, so it definitely, we're pushing the limits on what WordPress could support, <laughs> even, even with basically um, customizations that, that make it barely WordPress anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now, we've been working on a fairly lengthy process of getting out of WordPress entirely and building our own custom CMS. So that just means kind of decoupling the front end from WordPress so that we aren't serving the site from WordPress anymore and pulling the data out of the WordPress database so that we can have it somewhere else that we can access it more easily and and create really what we should create ideally and not be limited or hindered by, by the structures that are already in place and the structures that we've used to create the data so far. So Spoonie University has raised just a bit more than $2.5 million in seed funding. What was this process like for you? That process was pretty crazy. We went through the Techstars Accelerator program here in New York City. And before we got in, we, we'd been trying to raise capital from angel investors around, around the city. So we, we put together our deck and we had about 250,000 unique visitors coming to the site in a month. And we went and talked to all these angel investors and they all said, no one will talk to you until you have a million users coming to the site in a month. And we said, all right, we're going to get a million users to come to the site in a month and then we're going to come back and we want you to invest in our company. <laughs> and they were like, sure you will. So then we went to Techstars and in the 12-week program, we grew our audience from about um, 250,000 unique users in a month to about 2.5 million unique users in a month. And that growth, especially, you know, kind of on top of the fact that we had promised specifically that and then over, over-delivered to all these investors, I think made, made the process for us to raise money easier than it will ever be again in our career and easier than it is for most people. So... We were we we were able to capitalize on the on the momentum of that moment um, where we'd really kind of executed on, on on a plan that we had set out to to execute on um, and and made the most of that so that we could very quickly get back to the business. So how did you manage to grow your audience and traffic so quickly to meet those goals? And what were some of the tactics that you used? Yeah, we really hit on all fronts um, and tried to maximize every lever that we had access to within the company. One of those was content partnerships, especially as a as a media company. One um, one problem is that you like your your platform just isn't popular enough yet that that other people know that you exist. But there are a lot of bigger media companies that really need content produced that love quality content, and you can put links in those articles that come back to your site. So we did that a lot for sites like Huffington Post and Yahoo Food and BuzzFeed and USA Today College. And we'd never really done things like that before. So that was a really, really successful channel for us, taking advantage of like basically the community forums, the blocking platforms that those that those sites have because they're always looking for more content. We also um, really worked with all of our contributors because of the way that we're structured. We have thousands of people on hundreds of campuses around the, around the world. And it was um, really great for us to include the students and all of the members of this network in this process with us. So we told them that we were going through this accelerator program and we said, you know, we want to keep Spoon University running for you guys so that you can have this platform so that we can keep helping you become better than you were before and keep helping your work be seen by more people than you ever imagined. But in order to do that, we need this thing to grow. We need to prove to people that this is a movement and this is something that matters. So it's up to each of you guys to make sure that you're writing the best work that you possibly can and that you're promoting it as far as you possibly can. And we had competitions where the chapters that drove the most traffic 
would get a really big, like a massive four foot tall silver spoon, for example. Um, so that was also really successful. We also looked into social partnerships. So we had a really small Facebook following at the time, but Facebook um, was then and still is our, our largest driver of traffic. And we tried to work with, work with other sites that had successful or large like Facebook followings to get them to share our posts if we would share several, several of their posts. So it's really just putting everything you have out there and making sure that you can grow as much as possible. Those are some amazing tips. As you mentioned, you're recently a part of Techstars New York. What was the entire process like for you and what were some of the outcomes from the program? Techstars was was an extraordinarily valuable experience for us. Before Techstars, we were working as hard as we could from our apartment. We didn't have a lot of external validation. Um, We didn't have a lot of legitimacy when we were trying to get partnerships or um, get brands to work with us. And most importantly, I think we didn't have a lot of structure. We were trying to create structure for ourselves, but had never seen something like that before. We'd never seen the kinds of processes that are necessary to really build a company. And when they're just two people, you almost feel like you don't need them, especially when it's two people who are probably as aligned and as um, in sync as people often are when they're co-founding companies. Kenzie and I felt like we could practically re- read each other's minds. We didn't need to have meetings all the time. But there's something that's really important about those processes and that structure that makes it that's just really important for the growth of the company. And in our experience at Techstars, specifically with the managing director, um, Alex Iskold, he really helped us put those structures into place. He helped us prioritize so that we knew what our primary goal was for, for the 12 weeks of the program and made sure that every single minute that we spent was focused on achieving that KPI. And if anything that we did wasn't focused on that goal, then we should stop doing it. And we had to measure every single thing that we did and only do and only continue to do the things that actually move the needle. And it was those kinds of processes, which now in hindsight sound really obvious, but we, we just weren't doing at the time that really, really helped us move the needle. That sounds like an awesome experience. So what's next for Spoon University this year? Any, any areas of focus? Well, this year, we're just planning on growing as much, as much as we possibly can. We're trying to expand to a lot more campuses, get a lot of students involved, and specifically grow our video strategy. We haven't really focused on, or in the first you know, year and a half that we existed, we didn't focus much on video because we were trying to scale a system where we could build these chapters really, really quickly on college campuses and help them become really valuable, sustainable organizations on these, on these campus communities. Video is much more difficult to train someone in and get a lot of people up and running kind of producing than written content is. But as we've kind of honed the written and flat editorial machine, we've really started to focus on video. We've started producing a lot more video in-house and trying to work with the contributors to find a better and more sustainable way to, to produce video at scale. And hopefully over the next year, we will um, really see that grow in a meaningful way as well. That's great. Looking forward to see what happens next in that case. So do you have any awesome stories you can share with us about yourself or your experience in the startup scene? When we got into Techstars, we actually were traveling to my hometown of Austin and my co-founder's hometown in Chicago and over to San Francisco to try to meet with people. And we were meeting with one of Kinsey's family friends in Chicago who started a small fund. And he was introducing us to his partner, who also was the managing director of Techstars Chicago. And we pitched him. We had no idea what we were doing. And he, he looked at us and he said, I hate media companies. There's no way I'm investing in your company. But 
you seem like smart girls. Let's take a couple hours and look and go through your data and see what you've got going on here. So he really helped us look at our data and ask questions about our data in ways that we hadn't we hadn't been asking mm-hmm. the, the right questions, I think, especially just in performing cohort analysis and stuff like that that, that we we tried we tried to do before but but just hadn't like been able to, to draw meaningful insights out of it. But he really sat down with us and helped us do that and a, after a couple of hours said, still hate media companies, still not going to invest in you, but you should meet the managing, the managing director of Techstars New York and do that program. And that's how we originally got, um, got to meet Alexis Gold, who has become one of the most valuable mentors that we have. So what are the most recent apps that you've downloaded lately? I use Trello every day. <laughs> Um, especially to manage all of the different to-dos that pop up as, you know, people report bugs and as people decide new features that they want to use and as people, everyone on the team, you know, always has, has all these requests, especially for the tech department to try to fix everything that, that they're doing and make it more efficient. And we always try to try to do that. But Trello is very important in helping me manage all those different voices and all those different priorities. We use Groove for customer support to take all the requests from all of our different customers to help them let us know when things aren't going right. And we also use Gusto for payroll. Yeah, that's mostly it. Um, I use Inbox on my on my phone for Gmail. That's awesome. Those are my apps. I still be I'm still flopping between going back and forth with Inbox. It still hasn't sold me (laughs) yet. Really? It's only because I have. what are you flopping between? Just using general Gmail. I, I guess it's because I have some extensions that I use on a day-to-day basis that I want to continue using, and I feel like Inbox doesn't, isn't there yet with it. Oh, see, I was a huge Mailbox fan and loved Mailbox. I got it right when it first came out and was obsessed with it. And when they when they announced that it was closing down in February, I was heartbroken. But Inbox took most of Mailbox's good ideas so it's, yeah, it's a close second. From the people that I know that use it, everyone's like, it's amazing. I don't know how you use the original Gmail, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm still not hooked until they switch over, even if they will ever switch over completely. Um, I think <laughs> I might still use just Gmail for now. So yeah. do you have any recommendations on great content that you've come across lately, like either a book, video, or you know, a blog post? One thing that I just think is really important for everyone to read, um, especially as they're building companies and thinking about company culture, is the Netflix deck. It's not a book, but it's... Um, have, you, have you ever seen it? No, I haven't. You're actually the first person that has brought that up. Um, it's, it's, this, it's like on SlideShare. It's just a, it's a PowerPoint deck that Netflix made about five years ago that announced their company culture, that talked about how they, how they define their company values, how they define their vacation and sick policies. It's about 170 slides, but it's so valuable. And I just think that it's really important to think about those things really early. And especially when you're a small company and you're answering questions for the first time, it's really easy to just try to answer questions as they come up. But I think it's really important to think about what the implicit policy that you're setting in that answer is. And things like the Netflix deck, I think, help you be really purposeful in setting those policies. That's awesome. We'll have to check it out. So do you have any last thoughts or personal mottos that you live by that you think others should know about? One thing that I just think is so important that I always try to improve in myself is self-awareness is key. If if that can be a motto, self-awareness is key. That you have to be really self-aware about kind of what what your weaknesses are and what your 
what your failures are and, and where you need support and then where you're really talented and where you thrive and try to put yourself in situations that you thrive in and not take on situations in which you may be weak unless you can, you know, get support and excel at them. And that's one of the reasons why whenever we're hiring people, we always ask for five strengths and weaknesses in the interview. And a lot of people really freak out when we ask for five of them. But and a lot of people think that when you're asked for weaknesses in an interview, that it's some kind of trick question, that you're supposed to figure out how to spin a weakness into a good thing. And we always try to explain to people when we're asking that question that the question is actually about how self-aware you are and if you're, if you're self-aware enough to know what, what your weaknesses are and how you're working on them. Um, and that that's a really important part of, of working at our company. That's a great process. I mean, I never thought of it that way. Sarah, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was awesome speaking to you. Yeah, thank you. Well, that's about it for this episode of Hack to Start. You can find all the important links beneath the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Hack to Start and sign up for our newsletter to know about all the latest episodes, behind the scenes content, and more. Thanks for listening and see you next time.